Podcast episode 36. I'm your host, Patty Johnson, and this is the podcast where we talk about how to get more shows, grants, and residencies. And today on the podcast, we're talking to my mom, Jacqueline Johnson, about technology and how to navigate technology when you are an old. Mom, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Patty. <laughs> now that I'm old, I finally made it to the big time. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, Mom, uh, and tell everyone here, if you don't mind, uh, how old are you exactly? I'm 77. 77. Okay. So uh, I thought what we could do for this podcast is to go through a chronological use of technology for you. But before I do that, I kind of want to set the stage for everyone. Can you describe your tech literacy now? and your overall comfort with technology for everyone. My uh, tech literacy now is that uh, I um, teach uh, with the Upper Grand uh, District School Board, often online, have done complete terms uh, with online teaching. I uh, regularly participate in uh, Zoom meetings. I can do email. I spend far too much time on, uh, on Facebook and I really don't know anything about Instagram at all. <laughs> so what does that mean about your comfort with technology? Would you say that you are comfortable with it or would you say that it regularly throws you into fits of panic? I think it used to regularly throw me into fits of panic. In fact, it was sort of a long, continuous panic attack. Now I think I just have periodic fits where I think nothing will happen and I don't cry nearly as much. I usually call you. <laughs> so technology has in the past made you cry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think a lot of us have felt that way, even if we, if we're not criers. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, because I feel like you've done a really good job of navigating this. And I think a lot of us, especially for somebody who does not identify as someone who is like tech savvy, I think you described uh, the photocopier being a challenge for you in terms of technology, which actually yeah. I think photocopiers are actually are really hard to work. So <laughs> they're, they're kind of one of these technologies that is touted as being super easy, uh, but actually is not. I think that might be a marketing ploy for a lot of technology. In any event, what I wanted to do now, now that we have you established as somebody who only occasionally cries because of technology, let's go through the chronology of how you dealt with technology and how you've gotten better with it over the years. So what is the starting point for you for navigating technology? When was that? Um, I think probably around uh, 1994 when um, I was uh, working uh, with, a, uh, with a newspaper and I uh, had to type up my articles and uh, I had to uh, submit them. Uh, at that point, uh, basically, I was learning WordPerfect. So you were working for a newspaper. Now, what yeah. newspaper was that? Was That was in our town. That was... Uh, no, Ar no. That, um, that, yeah, that was the uh, Aramasa Community News. It was a small, uh, small, basically an insert. It was a community newspaper. 
Okay, so you ran that and then you had to learn how to use WordPerfect. And what was it about WordPerfect that you liked or didn't like? It was kind of a takeoff from uh, from typing because uh, if I actually look at my uh, start with technology, I'd say it was with typing and being unable to type and uh, not being able to learn the, uh, the QWERTY keyboard. And I remember in university, we had to type our essays or write them neatly. And I was kind of screwed both ways because my handwriting <laughs> was terrible and my typing was filled with, uh, was filled with just so many errors. You had to go back and the, the paper just looked like a mess. Yeah, so, so there was something called whiteout, right? That's that was, right. Yes. That, that we yes. used. Yeah. So we had yeah. that. And then there was a special kind of tape. I remember when the tape was yeah. introduced. That, yeah, would, that was wonderful. Yes. Um, but what you couldn't do uh, was any kind of mass corrections That's or anything right. like that. And so the thing I really liked when I discovered WordPerfect was, oh, um, because in any kind of writing, your last paragraph is always your first paragraph, eventually in, in the printed copy, but you don't know what the last paragraph is going to be until you finish it. And then you had to rewrite the whole darn thing. With WordPerfect, it was like, oh, all I have to do is copy this, move it up, and my uh, article was done, which I really liked around one o'clock in the morning when <laughs> I was working on deadline and it was like, oh, I can go to bed. So, and you could hand it in and it didn't, nobody had to retype it. So, uh, be oh, because- people had uh, to retype things. Yeah, people had to retype everything I did, which to me was, initially it was kind of good because they always did a better job and they put in the punctuation and all that sort of stuff. But this was just amazing. You just send it and uh, people would, uh, they'd call me on the phone and say, do you really mean to say that? But, uh, and then it progressed. So, <laughs> And then you were like, yes, I did. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> if it, yeah. So, For those of you who don't know my mother, which is basically every listener here, my mother was uh, something of a critic. <laughs> For the uh, for the community, uh, that was where it where it started. But at that point, we really didn't have the uh, the internet, and that didn't come in until around uh, for me uh, somewhere around uh, two thousand and eight when I joined Facebook. There was before that uh, email, but not a huge amount. Uh, yeah, I was still doing snail mail mostly. Yeah, I mean that's funny. When we were preparing for this podcast the other day, you told me that you had physical letters from me from university, which I have no recollection of writing. Uh, and I, I had remembered going to university and being excited about being able to use email because I, I felt like this was just going to really lift a lot of uh, stamping responsibilities for <laughs> that I felt I always failed at. So I was really excited about that. So my first introduction to technology, and uh, by the way, I do not consider myself particularly a technology, I don't know, uh, skilled in technology, but I do like what technology does for me. And that has really... I think developed skills that wouldn't have developed otherwise. And I, I think that that might be similar to your story. Is that correct? 
Yeah, because if, if it's not going to improve things, I do not want to do the learning curve. Yeah. And with technology, I have basically no curiosity about it. It's not something I wake up <laughs> in the morning thinking, wow, I'd really like, you know. I can hardly wait to fuck around on my phone. <laughs> That's I don't do that. I'm not curious about how it works. All I want to do is have it work. Yeah, well, and that's the best thing about technology when it does just sort of work and there isn't a huge learning curve to using it. Now, I think one of the problems that many of us have is that it does feel like there's a very large learning curve to do a lot of most anything. Now, I think uh, going back a little bit, like, can you talk about Like when you first got introduced to computers, period, when did that start? Because that would have been a lot earlier. That that was somewhere around uh, 94 in that time. And I remember being afraid of the computer. It was kind of like I had this feeling somehow that if you turned it on and you didn't turn it on properly, the universe was going to uh, explode that terrible things were going to happen. And there was this thing of one of the common phrases was, and I lost everything. Well, <laughs> I took that literally, you know, that whatever I did, I was in the, you know, uh, I, I was in the process of losing everything. And I had a really good friend. She was super way ahead of the, uh, of the curve because she was uh, uh, 10 years older than me. And she said, well, Jackie, I'm going to teach you computers. You come over to my house. And what she really did was she taught me to turn the darn thing on and off. But the way she did it was she had a little sign on her computer. And the sign said, enter with awe. And I'm not sure why that grabbed me, but it was sort of like, oh, there's some poetry involved. If I'm going to get lost, it'll be like Dante or something. There was a kind of a hero's journey in there. And I always kept that in my mind. Enter with awe and maybe bad things will happen, but it might be an adventure. And besides, she was kind of right over my shoulder saying, uh, if you're going to lose everything, I'll, I'll find it. So. <laughs> so you had almost like a coach or something like that to, to turn it on and off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think one thing that I, I just want to bring to everyone's attention is that that feeling that you had at that time was not unusual. I think it was part of the culture that people were very afraid of the internet and what might be on the internet And I think I always tie this to a concept that I think someone I I worked with once called the terror of navigation, which is if you don't understand like a path and you can't visualize it, it becomes very frightening to you. And there was a a collective um, called Jody at that time, an artwork collective that would make these pages online that underneath all the code, there would be uh, instructions on how to make bombs and things like that. And they weren't actually dangerous, but I think like the impetus with all of this stuff was to sort of get underneath 
the fear that many people had and find ways to express that. And so I think that that work was very timely. And after that, that period, we sort of moved into a period of uh, uh, political activism that was a little bit, well, really quite different from uh, what we see today. But moving along, so you had a friend who said, let's basically approach this with awe. Here's how you turn the thing on and off. And that worked. Then you joined Facebook. Didn't you also take some sort of... I took a course. Yeah. Um, and that was just before I joined uh, I joined Facebook. By that point, I was using email. There was an online course that would give me the credentials to teach English as a second language. And it would give me job security. Uh, if I got the, the designation, it meant that I could work anywhere. And it meant that I would earn uh, three times as much as I was presently earning. And I thought, I want this. And it allowed me, at a time when um, I was pretty strapped for cash, that it allowed me to uh, to work from home, do it on my own time. So it became worth it. And in taking that course, I recognized that the people who designed the course had designed it for people who weren't particularly tech-oriented. They wanted to know whether I could, uh, whether I could do a lesson plan they weren't particularly concerned with my computer skills, but I had to prove it through that medium. And part of the course also involved online chats, which I'd never really seen before. And there's nothing like an online chat. Oh, I've written this. And then you have to get back in to find if somebody's, somebody's resp- oh, they replied to me, you know, and there was that addictive piece that, um, uh, Somebody likes me. Yay. Somebody likes me. They like my comment. You know, I'll get an A. (laughs) So So that really got you into uh, computers in a way that you hadn't been before. Yeah. What it didn't do, though, was that when I got into the classroom, I was still terrified of it. And I never wanted to use it because I didn't want to lose control in the class. I didn't know what would happen if I couldn't get these projectors up. And there were some places where they were really good. They gave me lots of training uh, so I could turn the things on and off. I could show what I needed to show. The universities were great at that. The um, public schools, not so much. But at the public, so at the public schools, I totally avoided technology until the pandemic. And at the point of the pandemic, it was like, you can teach and we'll pay you, but you have to teach online. And they said they teach us online and the, um, the teaching was there. I did not find it particularly illuminating. But by the end of the day, I knew I had a deadline. I had to somehow get into a classroom and teach. If there's a through line to this story, uh, part of it just seems like you never wanted to learn technology at all. At every turn, you were forced. No, don't. <laughs> So like if if a listener is say, is asking like what can I do I hate technology I don't want to learn it uh what is your advice to them I think it's to find the little baby steps that you can yeah. do and to force yourself to do those I think 
it's also really important to um, to make it about stuff that you enjoy. I forced myself uh, without feeling like I was forcing myself in, in, in some of the early things. I could, when I was learning how to type, I couldn't type, but I discovered fonts. And then I discovered, oh, I can make greeting cards. And then I discovered, well, you could put a picture in it. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to put a picture in it, I have to find it, find out how to put get a picture. And I thought, but this is this is great because that greeting card is five bucks. My picture is no bucks. <laughs> and everyone says that you made it yourself. <laughs> and it looked good rather than the sort of things I usually make, you know, which is sort of like it's not artistic. You know, it's funny because when you tell this story, I think like the crux for you um, has been like, this was really cheap for me to yes. do. And yes. that's why I did it. But I, I would actually push back on that a little bit because I think that's part of it. But it seems like also uh, part of it was I wanted to give something to someone. And technology allowed me to do that in a more true. efficient way. Yeah. And in a way that would be appreciated. I mean, sometimes homemade gifts really take a lot to get. You know, it's sort of yeah. like, this is awful, you know, but they made it for me, you know. Oh, they knit me a sweater, but it's 10 times too big, you know, like, oh, lovely, you spent 20 hours. You know, if I'm going to spend 20 hours, I want it to look like 100. And I made this scarf for Stephen once, like, like speaking of knitted things that were that failed, like, and I'd never knit before. And I went to some knitting place where the woman, I think, was just, I don't know, sort of mean or something because she recommended that I take the, get the smallest knitting needles and the thinnest thread, which I did because I didn't know anything. And then I started to make this uh, scarf for Stephen that started out sort of relatively thin. And you may know this about me, mom, but I lose count very easily. So the idea that I would ever be a great knitter was really, really just never meant to be. But by the end of this scarf, it was so wide. Like it was just the most useless thing. I I gave it to him and, and I don't know, we both laughed at what on earth he would ever use it for. <laughs> but uh, in any event, that I, I don't know where that fits in the technology. So in what ways has technology, like what are the technologies where you feel your life has really been improved by them? Um, I'd say that the, uh, the video calls. The video calls, um, yeah. My family, my kids are spread all around the world. So yeah. it's uh, it's not like I see my grandchildren because they drop over for tea and for milk and cookies. It's that they have to fly in or I, from Edmonton or I have to fly into New Zealand to see these kids. So it's funny. It sounds like you're just picking intentionally really far places away from, from you at random. But those are actually the places that you have to go. Yeah, you know, and but I think to me where it makes a difference is with connection. And I think that that's one of the things about art or writing anyway. For me, writing is a way to connect to other people. 
Oh, yeah. I think that's a huge thing with the art world. I mean, another thing, I think uh, when we were talking, you mentioned Google Drive as being something that was significant for you. Why is that? Uh, Google Drive allows you to share stuff really easily. Like you write it and you sim- all you have to do is put the name of the person you're sharing it with. And uh, all of a sudden, there you are and you can make comments on, uh, on each other's writing just along the side. And unlike WordPerfect, you can get rid of those comments. I still don't know how to get rid of comments when I get them up in WordPerfect. But on Drive, it's like, hey. It's there. We resolve it. It's gone. So, so you really like uh, Drive? And when you started, I introduced you to Drive. We did. And you spent a whole time and I didn't want to learn it. And I was really mad for a few days because I couldn't learn it. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, we. I still work with a bunch of people who don't like Drive and find it very difficult. Like, what was your breakthrough moment with Drive? Well, the breakthrough moment was to recognize that it was just like Word and Word Perfect. I was. Oh, it's just like Google. something you already knew. I knew. I I knew Word, and I'd learned Word after Word Perfect, and it was sort of like, oh, it's all the same. So everything was the same. It was just, oh, I don't have to email this sucker. I just share it, and you can get on the phone. You can talk. You can chat while you're doing it, if, if you have to be quiet, there's just a wide range of things. And it's simple, but it's not simple until you know how to do it. But the moment you know how to do it, you know how to do it. And then never change, never upgrade, never get Windows 45. <laughs> just stick with it as long as they let you do it. Now, I, this does bring me to another point, which is the idea that technology is like riding a bike. Is it really like riding a bike? Because what you're saying here, I think that's in in contrast to what you're saying here, right? Because what what you just said was like, once you know it, you know it. Yes. But. But, okay. But unlike riding a bike, um, the bike does not come out with new bells and whistles that you have to learn every time you get on it in order to stand (laughs) up. That's why people hate technology. I think there are the commonalities. I think that there is a part where, you know, now I know that turning on a computer is usually the same. You find some button with some little uh, circle somewhere and you press it and something starts to happen. And then they ask you for a password, which is another disaster. But... These can all be learned. And I think what where it's like riding a bike is that after a while, what I recognized was as frustrating as it is, I can learn this. I think that's something that's really empowering for anybody who struggles with technology. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is that I feel like you've mastered a fair bit, especially... especially I hate to say this, but I'm going to, especially for somebody at your age, like most people don't have that, uh, that kind of literacy. And just to be completely frank and transparent, uh, like mom, your, your literacy is, is okay, but it's not great. Like, no, it's terrible. <laughs> it's like, 
The school, the school knows I'm old. <laughs> the school comes in and they say, Jacqueline, your attendance report, you know, get it on the right lines. In fact, turn it in. <laughs> so like, do I really have to do this? You know, they know they have to show me every, every time my modules are due. They have to show me which file it goes in. And they often resort to, Jacqueline? <laughs> you know, email, send it to me that way and I'll put it in. (laughs) I think there's two things here. One is just knowing that eventually you can learn it, even when it feels like you can't. These things are really designed so that anybody can learn them. They, and the other thing I think that's really important here is that like anything else, the more you do it, the better you get. And I think part of that has to do with a lot of what you were talking about in terms of being familiar with certain symbols and navigation and functionality. Uh, Within virtually any app, there will be an account section where you can manage your account. Uh, Not even virtually, every every single app or a tool that you will use will have an account management section. And they all look basically the same. And they're all located usually on the upper right-hand side of your browser or account or whatever it is. So you, because it's always in the same place, it's like a grocery store. You know, once you get used to things being in a certain place, you know where to find it. And that makes your life a lot easier. Now, one of the things that I think we talked about that I wanted, you know, in preparation for this uh, podcast was just the amount of time that technology takes and why it takes so much time. I think part of this came up in a conversation where I was trying to remember what things were like before we had a computer. So like, how did we find movies, you know, and you had said that, you know, we used the papers. Yeah. We had guides. Yeah. And so a lot of the things that we used to use newspapers for and the reasons they were so profitable at one point and now are far less profitable, profitable is that we don't rely on them in the same way. But what does, um, like, how is our time management different than it was previously? Well, I mean, if I look at television, which also considered to be a a big tech thing before the computer and everything, if I wanted to watch something, I had to find a specific time when it came on. And I actually had to be there at that specific time or I was going to miss it. And it wasn't going to rerun until spring, you know, when you started in the fall. And I remember actually planning my weekly activities from like, there would be clubs and we would all meet and say, well, when are we going to meet? Well, we're not going to meet uh, on uh, Tuesday night because that's friends. We won't meet uh, on Thursday because all the good ones come on one, two, three on Thursday. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we will have our meetings on Wednesdays. When there was nothing on, okay, or the opposite way, you know, 
the women's groups, we are doing Monday because that's Monday night football, you know, all those kinds of things. Uh, whereas now everything's kind of on demand or most things are. So I don't have to show up at a particular time. It can be any time. And that has benefits and uh, and disadvantages. The benefit is I can go in at any time. But the downside is the format does not make me intentional. I can just go in and say, well, what are we going to watch? Well, there's a universe of things to watch. And I can waste two or three hours waiting for... Well, just um, just scrolling through, thinking, oh, should I watch? Well, I'll do the reviews for this. Never would do that before. So there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of, Who cares? A lot of you know, information. You know, um, if I wanted to find the answer to um, what king did this, it was either in my uh, library or I'd have to go to the library. I'd have to make a trip because that was where the encyclopedias were. Right. You know, I'm not even going to say one is better than the other. There's instantaneous knowledge that I can have now. But because I haven't made a special trip or put a specific, you know, that this is important for me to know, I will forget more information. Yes. And I think also, you know, when you're talking about being intentional and intentional with your time, one of the things that came up for me is the way that we use apps now too, right? Like you you start scrolling on an app and you go there to find something, you know, and this happens to me all the time with work-related stuff. I'm going to the Instagram app because I, I'm looking for something I saved or something I have to respond to somebody, something like that. And then along the way, there's like 5 million distractions and I forget why I'm there in the first place. And that makes... It's hard to be really intentional in your use of technology when it's designed to keep you on there for longer than you necessarily intend to be. Yes, and scrolling through things, like if you scroll through Facebook, I can very well say, well, I'm just going to go in, I'm going to post this. But if I dare scroll anywhere, it's chosen for my interests. Yeah. Or it's chosen for, for, I mean, nobody ever cared that I went to the, uh, to the library and would uh, look up um, uh, how to write uh, a short story. But if I Google anything now, how to write a short story, suddenly my field, my, or the entire Facebook thing is filled with how to write a short story. Here's a course. What? You know, I must, uh, you know, it, the, and choice is actually really hard to deal with. The um, technology gives me far more choice than I ever had, which is a little difficult to deal with sometimes. There is one, one thing that also comes out of that. I was thinking about it this morning. I was thinking one of the things about, um, about tech is that, and this is the net, while there are similar ways of doing things, there, there's a choice of ways so it's kind of like if I live in a small town and there's one main street and a couple of avenues and crescents, there's only one way to get there. But on the net and working with computers, what I've found is that there's often multiple ways of doing the same thing. And that's both a bonus because 
gee, I forget how to do it, but there's another way of doing it. The other thing I found about it is, is that I grew up with the library mentality. You know, let's go and find out how to, let's get a book. And somewhere along the way, I discovered, oh, there are YouTube videos. They will tell me how to do this. They will show me how to do things. I can go to, uh, to these YouTube videos and I can Google, and I have because I got one of those soda stream things and I couldn't figure out how you got the bottle in. And I was going like, this is too embarrassing to ask anybody. And but somebody has a video about it, which is amazing. <laughs> and there was. Somebody said, now this is the tricky part. And I thought, yes, this is the tricky part. And I got it in. All of a sudden, I had fizzy water. <laughs> I'm actually so glad to hear you say that because we had a soda stream for a while, too, and I just got too frustrated with it, you know, putting the soda stream inside the uh, whatever the the thing is that makes it fizzy. And it, Stephen was the only one who did it because I just gave up on it. Um, so now we don't have a, now we don't have a soda stream. We, we got rid of it. Well, also too, if you do it wrong, it could explode. (laughs) I mean, it says right on the package can explode. (laughs) So technology is all around us. What are the technologies that have really made the most difference in your life? Because, you know, we talked about Google Drive being a, a big thing. Like Google Classroom. Google Classroom? Yeah. 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 Once I learned to do uh, Google, and I know Zoom has the same thing where you can have uh, little breakout rooms. Uh, I love that. I like anything that has kind of a chat function. You know, you can kind of talk off on one side. I like breakout rooms because breakout rooms, you know, you can be saying, you know, oh, yeah, this is really boring. And then you get into a breakout room and everyone's like, that's so boring. You know? And <laughs> that kind of that kind of thing. So, so I like Google Classroom. I like Grammarly, too. I like these things where... Uh, um, well, you got me Grammarly for Christmas. And, and yeah. it was sort of like, all of a sudden, I thought, I always thought I could do commas. I guess I can't. I just thought I couldn't see them. I don't know them. But all of a sudden, there's that learning piece to it. Yeah, so like the nice that. thing about Grammarly is it really teaches you things. Yeah. Because uh, so, it, it gives it explanations. And they have a new um, <clears throat> function. I don't know if you've noticed this, but because they're constantly getting better. And one of the things they used to always say is like, I'd get, this is written in the passive voice, rewrite it. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> but I wrote it in the passive voice because I wasn't sure how to make it in the active voice. But now it'll give you a suggestion and I'll be like, here's how you could do this. You just have to specify who is doing the action. So they, they actually give you a sample sentence and you know, they had, the the program had dogged me enough on the passive voice that it basically never appears in my writing anymore, which is really good. It's made such a huge improvement to um, the quality of the writing that I produce. You know, the things that where they are actually, like the software is actually able to give suggestions are really, it's incredible. I think where I like technology is, 
is from the standpoint that some of the teaching, like I learned from it. Yeah. Okay. Now, mind you, I have to sift through what's good learning and what's not good learning. I really like Duolingo because it combined everything and it was on the phone and you could practice in the odd in the odd moments. And I, I could never learn another language. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, it's like this. This is how it goes. And I can, you know, it's made me a better teacher because they suddenly thought, oh, I need a lot of repetition. And I get bored in the classroom doing repetition. Now it's sort of like, we've got to get more repetition in. It just has to be interesting. Has to be oh. games. So it, it's like... Um, and I keep learning a lot of things. I, I, I really like the connectivity piece, being connected to other people. I don't like how I can be deceived in Facebook that uh, people who I've never met before are my best friends. They're not. <laughs> when I'm feeling lonely. It's like, oh, at least I have 243 people who I don't know who love me. <laughs> It helps community, building community, and it also takes away the face-to-face -face, uh, at times. N and not face-to-face -face like this, but you don't catch the, um, the subtle mo um, movements, uh, what's yeah. going on often. Um, I like it for writing. I really like it for writing. I don't like it for watching movies because it's too small. Um, but again, television is technology, so... It's just a one of the bigger screen. Yeah. So I think like if we're talking about technology that's made a difference in your life, Grammarly, Google Classroom, Zooms, Zoom technology, uh, Google Drive, seems like uh, you are a Google disciple. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I, I, actually, I get into trouble with some of the other ones. Yeah. So it's uh, transferable. But it also makes things, you know, booking reservations, that sort of thing. Uh, you can do that really fast. You can do it in another continent. You know, it's, it, that's totally mind-blowing to me. Before, I used to have to hire a travel agent to do that. Yeah. Now I can't find one that will do it because <laughs> I hire them because I don't want to do the technology. <laughs> well, but also planning a trip is a pain in the ass, you know, like yeah. it. <laughs> but it can be done. Yeah, it can it it can be done, and I can know where I'm going to stay, and I can have uh, reservations. I can have reservations for for trains, for airplanes, for meals, and it allows it. it there's a safety element to it as well. It, you know, particularly with the phones, if you're in trouble, you can call people. Yeah, I one you of can't the things call companies, but you can call people. <laughs> When I was a kid was there was this uh, CAA, um, like Canadian Automobile Association yeah, yeah. ads. You could become a member and they had, I guess, what was called roadside service or something like that. Yeah, so if you got do, yeah. stuck in a storm, you know, you could call them and they would come and, you know, pick up your car. Mm. And... <laughs> The commercial for this at a time when there was no cell phones was that somebody was just their car broken down right in front of a telephone booth that happened to be on the side of the highway. <laughs> 
And I remember asking dad about this, like, why don't we have this? It seems so useful. And he was like, how many phone booths do you see on the side of the highway? <laughs> like, when is this ever going to happen? So uh, yes, that is a different thing. I, I, I call CAA at least once or twice a year when I get a flat tire because I now have a phone in my car. <laughs> so that would be the other technology that's made a difference for you, right? The the phone. Yeah. Actually, the phone has probably made... The phone has probably made the, the biggest difference because it's 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 there. And, you know, I never could read a map. I don't need to read a map now. There's a nice Siri lady who reads it, reads me the directions and does not get mad when I make a wrong turn. I love that woman. <laughs> I think it's useful to point out that the phone... We've mentioned this, we're nearing the end of the podcast, but, and the phone is mentioned at the end as being one of the most important types of technology that you've had to learn. And I think that's because it's, it's a little bit of an afterthought because it's so embedded in your life that you don't even think about it. It's actually an extension because, I mean, I, I grew up with a telephone. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, yeah. The first phone was a party line. Um, you know, Wait, what's was, a party line? A party line is is we shared a telephone line with uh, with six or seven different people, and there was an operator on the other end making actually physically connecting your phone to the other people. So I, could, I didn't even know I that. Could, well, I did. I used to spend a lot of time when I was little picking up the phone. And then you'd hear the operators saying, little girl, get off the line. You're not <laughs> supposed to be. I remember as a, as a child seeing um, there was, what does the future look like? And uh, they had things that didn't happen, like all your food will come to you in pills. But they did have the seeing eye uh, door so that you'd step on a mat and the door would automatically open. It was sort of like, this was the future. I thought, oh, gee, can hardly wait for that to happen. But the big thing I wanted was, I want a phone that has a picture of the person you're talking to. And that, that was in about 1954 that that article came out. Wait, so there, there was an article that actually had a phone with a picture of somebody on it? Yeah, yeah. They said oh, this yeah. was this was going to be the thing of the future. And, and was it portable? Saying, well, what if it takes a picture of you while you're while you're on the toilet? And it was kind of like people say, "I'm not so sure about having a having a phone uh, that uh, that can take a picture of you in the bathroom. Like that would be terrible." But now it's sort of like, "Oh goodness, you can take your phone anywhere, and you don't have to show your face." That's. I mean, that's so interesting that. That, that that even existed that um, and how accurate it was. I mean, yeah. one of the things I always think about Star Trek is that a lot of the things that they imagine in the future are actually here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, mom, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It's always a pleasure to talk to you <laughs> and I'll be talking to you offline too. Is there anything you'd like to impart to, uh, our listeners, before we close off, <laughs> impart is really a scary word. We're talking about how much technology I don't know. 
So imparting my words of wisdoms, I do say to uh, some well, of Well, I think they're words of courage, really. Like that's, I, th- I think that's what we're talking about. It's how to, uh, how to conquer your fear with technology. I think it's more, how do you live with it? It's going to be there. And when you recognize that there's not much to be afraid of and that you know how to handle it. That's a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much, Mom. Okay. Good fun. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review and share it with a friend. It really helps get that valuable information out to more artists just like you. You can find all of the names and the links that we reference in this conversation at workshop.art slash podcast. Thank you.